I don't even know what happened in this episode. I followed my curiosity and just um don't this is mm, podcast Paul is on open loops. I had a great time. Will you? Let's find out. Puritans, don't listen to this one. I consider it an affront to my family that you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, okay? Let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And, and get this, okay? Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah, from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, Should I introduce you as Podcast Paul? Is that the way to do it? That'd be great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, you know, I was curious. I I went to your website, uh, and I'm not sure. Is it not active? Like, what is only sixmoretimes.com? Uh oh, is it active? God, I don't know. I'm in the middle of moving right now, so my world's a shambles. Well, no uh, worries. I, I I know you're a you you describe a self-described musician and philosophy nerd. Um, what is what was that website? Um, God, it's kind of open. I have uh, 15 interviews in the can. When I get to 30, I'm gonna start posting them. So. Uh, and I've, I've got a web developer that's about to help me out with my website. So right now we just have a skeleton kind of system until uh, I release. Once I get 30 in the can, I'll start releasing one a week uh, of all the guests. I've, I've what kind of what kind of uh, interviews are you doing? They're free forum um, and they're all over the place. I have um, people that have worked for the uh, cartel, Mexican cartel. I have what? homeless people. Yeah, I, it's it's crazy. I just, I realized I had so many people in my life that had these stories that were stranger than fiction that I had to start getting them on tape because they were just just crazy. Uh, you know, the, for instance, the people that, that used to work for the cartel, they're now you know, multi-millionaires living in Austin on Lake Travis and their backstory is just amazing. Uh, when, when you, they talk about how they got there. So I, I just, I had to get that stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you, well, well, tell me what came first. I mean, what is sort of, uh, what is your journey to making a podcast? Like, were you touring for a while? Was your dream of being a musician, uh, entertainment sort of, uh, what, what, what is your path? Uh, well, my past um, comes from being ultra inquisitive. I, uh, I, I always wanted to know why, you know, and, and, and so I'd ask questions constantly. And I either was too dumb or, <laughs> right, uh, right. you know, 
not to know certain questions you weren't supposed to ask. So I, it put me in a really interesting position because, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I went to school to become an engineer and, and work on robotics and then it was, you know, playing gigs on the side and just was around all these really interesting, crazy people. So that's kind of how, I, I don't know. And I love to read. I love, uh, evolutionary psychology. Um, I didn't get into philosophy until probably, I don't know, five years ago. And then I'm just a sponge for that. So yeah, I just, I want to know why people do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I, when you, you know, you, I, I feel very similar to you in that, and that's part of the reason I started this whole podcast as well. Uh, you know, lifelong learning curiosity. Um, I actually, I, you know, I coined the term for myself just to understand it. Uh, intellectual escapism, um, <laughs> which, you know, it's really to me what it means is either I'm going deeper. I, I, I'm, sort of enjoying going off different lines of thinking that are separate from my waking reality uh almost using like ideas and abstract concepts as diversion um so that's sort of like what my basic framework is but i'm kind of curious like how um you know when it comes to you learning and absorbing knowledge from others how does it go in your mind like are you able to because i've never been one of these people and i'm very jealous of people that are like can you read a book and then spit back out the facts do you take an idea and then just sort of like get the principle and use that going forward and apply it to things or is it there's some other form of like knowledge absorption that you take and make i don't know as useful as you make it how does that work for you usually it used to be reading and i had a kind of a tendency to uh, believe everything I read that I thought was interesting, you know, and then try to spit it back on all my friends. Yeah. You have to try this. This is everything. And then I realized, you know, because I'm 51 now that a lot of times I'm wrong or the times have changed. And, and so that, that particular, uh, you know, fix all that I, that I learned, you know, didn't cover everything or it wasn't the whole picture. And so I, I just go on a quest, um, to, to find the truth and, and as much as I can. And, um, and, and so now it's through podcasts, uh, and reading books. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's such a rabbit hole because once you find, um, you know, either an author or a personality or philosopher that you like, and then you realize he follows these guys. And so you start digging into that. Oh yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm curious. What were some of the, um, let's go through some of your old phases. Like, like what's the, do you remember like any distinct phases of like belief systems that you were imposing on your friends specifically? Like what were, what were your, uh, intellectual, I guess, like, uh, trends that you were sprouting on your friends historically? Well, it started really young because my family was, uh, God, I think it was maybe 11 or 12 and, and we were all telling people we were Catholic, but we didn't go to church or anything. So, I, you know, I started going to church with other friends and I, I said, well, this is your owner's manual. I'm going to read the Bible. And mm -hmm. I started asking questions about Lot's daughters and, you know, what about this slavery thing you're talking about? And it, it was driving everybody crazy around me. And I, I, I wasn't doing it 
you know, to agitate them. I was just, just had questions. And, and so I, I, I think as my second marriage, uh, my, my, my wife at the time said, why do you tell people you're Catholic? You're not, you don't, you're not even near a Catholic. You're, you're an atheist that doesn't know it. So I started um, reading, God, there was a book called Why Good-Looking Men Have More Daughters. I think that's the name of it. But huh. it started, started having statistics about things in life that are true, but we don't, they're kind of taboo. You know, say, for instance, <laughs> she was 14 years younger than me. And a weird quote in there is uh, the homicide rate or something uh, for couples. Uh, with seven year difference is like X amount of percent. And I was like, wow. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Whoa. Yeah. So, uh, so that's when I found out about, I think it was uh, Christopher Hitchens. And then I, you know, went through the four horsemen, you know, Daniel. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, it's just been going from there. I mean, uh, my, you know, even my whole idea about um, theology's changed a lot, uh, you know, where it's, to me, it's just kind of a story uh, that, I don't know, I guess they're trying to keep people on track. I get it. You know, it was a long time ago. So uh, were you imposing your atheism on people close to you? Did you start like saying like, well, that would be great if God was real. Cause I definitely went through that in high school. Yeah, I did. And I really feel bad for a lot of that because I was just young and dumb and I was kind of militant and I, I realize now that I don't have to be that way. And, you know, my drummer, he's, he's Christian and just hell of a nice guy, just sweetheart. And I really just do it on a case by case basis. Now, if people approach me and they have questions about the Bible or whatever, I, I don't mind that, but you won't rarely will you find out that I'm, you know, uh, an atheist, unless you ask or, or, you know, have questions or whatever, you know? Uh, so you're, you're saying you went through kind of the same thing. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it's kind of evolved over the years. I mean, one of the things that, uh, very early on sort of tripped me up was the idea that, uh, the old argument of atheism, taking on as much i mean it's such a such a nice workaround for christians to say this but um and, and any religious believer to be like atheism is just as much of a belief system as as believing it requires like a faith to believe that there isn't anything out there so then once i started it was actually um uh, that there was a series on NPR. I'm sure you're familiar with this, the This I Believe series, and Penn Gillette of Penn and Teller did one about there is no God. And he actually defined the distinctions. He said, look, there you, I'm not even an atheist. I am someone that operates from the assumption that I'm living a reality where God isn't even something that comes into the equation. So for me to adamantly say there is no God even implies the idea that I'm entertaining that there's anything beyond what I'm where I'm currently at anyways, uh, which was a very it, it's a slight difference because the whole thing is like you can't prove that there isn't something. It's that you're just coming from like, I see the trees outside. I see the grass. Where does God fit in? There isn't even a place where that comes from. And that to me shaped my beliefs. That said, 
I started running into philosophical issues. Um, you know, I had people close to me that they were saying, well, Greg, you're not going to find God by reading philosophical arguments. God is something you experience. I, and they would tell me stories. I doubted, someone told me, I doubted my belief in God. And then I had an experience where I felt this power. I felt it. And all of a sudden I started going, oh shoot, well that conflicts with my whole buy-in to scientific method as being able, like, like where I was at in high school was scientific method does everything. Therefore the statement, there is a God can be proven or disproven via classic science. Once I got to college, people were like, well, what about that scientific method? Is it really? <laughs> How robust is that thing? And that's where I started being like, okay, this is interesting. And now I'm just much more open-minded. I mean, I don't, I still say I'm agnostic leaning towards not there isn't something supernatural just because I've never firsthand experienced it. That said, as I've grown older i start to feel that there i i'm still very hopeful that there is and i'm still very hopeful that there is something supernatural or paranormal and that's partly why i'm doing this podcast i mean i don't know uh you know have you had the reason with those philosophical ideas i it's it's uh it's still a conundrum for me yeah i i have and you know it's kind of uh, i don't know who i don't know if it's pendulette someone said that I can't prove there's not a teacup or, or orbiting the earth either. Right. Um, right. So, so the, the only, but things, things that make sense to me, I tend to adopt really quickly. And that is, you know, when people say the word God, I, I, I think, well, which God? And, and I know, at least I believe that I'm just lucky to be born where I was born. I didn't control, I didn't pick my parents. I didn't pick where I was born. So it's it's really boiled down to geography. Now, if you're kind of segueing into, is there something bigger than us out there? I, I would I'd love to have that. I, that that would be great. And to have any kind of, I think we're kind of you know, as, as far as a small segment segment of the civilization is looking for something for life out there or other planets that that could have life. Uh, I'm excited about that. That would be great. Yeah, I mean, does it? Um, uh, ooh, 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 I mean, this is true. It gets into a whole lot of rabbit holes, man. I mean, we could go down the UFO route. We could go down the simulation route. Um, I mean, is there anything out of curiosity right now? Like, is there anything that some people might consider not like normal party conversation uh, <laughs> that you is occupying your mind with intellectual fascination right now? Dad, are you hold on, my son. Uh, hold on, Bonnie, okay? Um, he's in the truck with me. Um, <laughs> That's the a only, fascinating. The only, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing that I'm well, right, currently struggling with is there's a guy named Daniel Schmachtenberger that hmm. uh, is, is talking about um, basically what um, uh, that – we're kind of going through a change in the sense that, or we should be going through a change in the sense that um, uh, our current system of making money and, and, um, and capitalism uh, should, should be basically at at its end. And we should be leaning towards uh, things that have a renewable lifespan and rewarding companies that, that build things that are renewable and 
to think of cars like shopping carts. You know, when you go to the grocery store, you don't think, oh, I hope I hope there's going to be a shopping cart there right. um, and, and taking care of this rock and uh, things like that. Um, as far as uh, UFO stuff, he, he, he kind of talks about that a little bit. And it's just, I was on a podcast recently that had wanted to pull me down that rabbit hole of conspiracy, which mm. I, I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, I think we're built with that uh, particular gene or whatever it is uh, for a reason, but it's so easy to do that. And to, you know, uh, hell, even, I don't know if you watched the Netflix special on Jeffrey Epstein, but oh, that was yeah. fascinating. <laughs> but, dude i want answers so bad i want to know what jelaine jelaine knows uh they're like i need no one can get this pronunciation right jelaine it's like it's weird um yeah i want to know what she's got i want to know the footage i mean i want to know if there's footage out i do too these world leaders doing these things um yeah you know that's special ah oh, man it was it, I, I was so disappointed when i saw that netflix was going to be doing a take on Jeffrey Epstein. Like, of all the organizations, of all the... I'm like, this is so mainstream. This is so corporate. James Patterson, also the guy, the criticism I saw on the internet was like, oh, the guy that, you know, wrote a book with Bill Clinton is taking uh -huh. on Jeffrey Epstein in a documentary. Like, who, how, you know... And actually, they showed Clinton a fair number of times, so I'm glad yeah. they at least went that far. But I, I just feel like there is a web of people. And look, I, I'm going to say it just because I, I think it's a thing. I think child sex trafficking is a rampant issue that is yeah. strangely under-discussed by the media. Like, like just, just strangely um not talked about for some reason that much and it it makes me question a lot yeah i i think there's a lot of things in society that are um not talked about uh, in media because they're they're so scary i mean picture if if you're what you think about every day was on a uh projection screen behind your head and mm. uh and some you know, beautiful young girl, uh, I'm not condoning this, but he walks in front of you, you know, it's, it's human nature for, I understand I'm luckily I'm 51 now. So that stuff uh, doesn't rule my brain constantly. But I mean, I remember being that age and I remember, you know, that kind of drive. I mean, we were built like this genetically to, to procreate like a, like an insane person, basically. Um, and so, was that happening with you on the road? Were you doing, were you having like, did you have groupies ever? Were you in the position where you had groupies? It was so bad, dude. I, I'm not proud of any of it. It was, it was embarrassment of, uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was, uh, you know, I didn't realize it till I got older that almost every decision I made uh, in my life had to do with, you know, getting laid at, at somehow, some way. And I was really lucky because I, I used to be really good looking and I was in a band. So it was so easy, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to discount what the females were looking for. We're all chimps and they're looking for that flashy thing or, you know, uh, something, you know, whether it's monetary or security or symmetry in the face or whatever, you know, we, we don't talk about 
you know, those things, you know, we, you talk about entitlement or, 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 you know, uh, you know, white people, you have to go after beauty too. I mean, we do it as a society without even thinking about it. We'll, we'll hold the door for more beautiful people, for more wealthy people. Mm. If you're in a suit, you, you know, we do it every day, but it's just not being acknowledged. And I think once we can acknowledge it, we can kind of understand what's going on and either adopt it or not, you know? Let's get back to your groupies for a second. Um, <laughs> no, nah, this is good. You definitely, <laughs> you definitely gave a great uh, response to a diplomatic response to get yourself Thanks. out of that hole. But we're going to go back into the hole for a second. No, here's what I'm All wondering. Right. I mean, let's be real. Did you think looking back and, you know, I, I've just never been in a position where I've really like had the level of fame or put myself in a way that's like, oh all of a sudden like now i have these raving female fans that in this moment are seduced by some ideal that you know i mean look they could have been looking at you and seeing mick jagger um you know i mean even the association of being a rock star uh is strong enough sometimes to get people to want to fantasize about the possibility do you think looking back that you were in a position where power was actually being exploited. Uh, well, that's, that's kind of what, yes and no, because um, I, I, here, here's a, the way to think about it. If, if you think about uh, Weinstein's case, mm. did he exploit a lot of those women? Of course, no doubt. Were there some women getting to him just to exploit what he could do for them? That's the hard question. And, and, you know, it's the reason why that, that matters is if we're only looking at one side of it, we're really doing ourselves a, a disservice. Did, did I, you know, a lot of women choose to be with me because of the way I looked and maybe being a band, of course, but did they want the status of walking around with me and being in those circles? Yes. So mm. it's, we're, we're actually using each other. I, I don't know. There's a spectrum there. You know, at some point, yeah, someone's a pure victim at, at some point, uh, maybe they're both people were getting what they wanted out of that, uh, you know, interlude out of, out of that experience. Well, look, I, I honestly, yeah, yeah. And look, I don't mean to completely put you on the spot here, even though it's, <laughs> it's like a contentious topic these days. Um, it's, it's so interesting that, you know, especially in the realm of um, like heterosexual um, exchange, I suppose, uh, traditional like heterosexual, like male, female sexual exchange, whether it's, uh, you know, in the context of marriage or dating or just like celebrity and fan always now has like a political sort of spin on it, uh, especially in the context of feminism and, and everything going on right now. Me too. Um, you know, I think it's, 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 it's anyways, it's interesting a that like it's become such a consent. Uh, it's, it's become such a, it's become such a contentious topic interestingly enough um it does make me wonder like to your point will it be okay well i guess the bigger philosophical question is like was groupies ever okay 
was it ever okay <laughs> to be a groupie? I like I don't know. I'm I kind of feel like what you were talking about. There is a we do it in business all the time, leveraging, um, you know, somebody else's experience and skills, and then promoting them in a way that then they're gonna give cut you a deal or something like that, and they look at it as a mutual partnership. But once you start bringing sex into the picture, especially because of the historical oppression of uh, women in the society and their voices and whatnot and just totally denying and hurting these women. Um, you know, it's a harder conversation to have. I, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, I, I thought that they did some study where they put, um, I think, a, a doctor that was only like 5'2", and he wasn't that good looking, and then he had, a, you know, middle-of-the-road guy in there, and then he had a, like a loser that was tall and handsome and they brought in all these women to see, you know, which one did you want? And very, almost none of them. I don't, I don't know if any of them chose the doc, the short doctor, but you know, it's it, until we acknowledge that these things occur and they are part of nature and, and, and can be studied that, you know, it's, still, it's going to be difficult to look at. I mean, I totally agree with me too. And I, I understand that all those things have happened and people, use people every day um yeah yeah but we we have to look at the whole picture and that's that's difficult it's everybody wants a a meme answer to everything and it's really i love the nuance it's where you and i live i mean it's 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 interesting to talk about it yeah 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 did you ever um (laughs) oh man i i I don't want to be howard stern here but there's go for it i love howard it's part of me that does man well first of all hit him with a hind first of all second of all (laughs) um (laughs) you know i mean did you ever it doesn't even have to be romantically did you ever have any romantic dalliances with anybody that uh, might be considered famous uh no no not not a list or b list no uh famous maybe in in my circles or you know small town or big yeah towns, what is I local guess. what is local i mean what is local rock starring like i mean i feel like it's um you know i as someone that i i know a lot of people that are comedians and people that go on the road and do that um i never know i mean <laughs> first of all i i i'm amazed that you know, if people don't really know you, I mean, were you, were you a local celebrity? Like what was it? Tell me the heights, the drugs, the sex, the contingent <laughs> of your rock star career. Let's like, let's explore this. I'm very curious. It, it was just self-will run riot. I mean, uh, it, 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 I guess it's hard for people to, some people to understand, but uh, a good analogy would be is, you know, if you're just sitting um, in a parking lot somewhere and someone walks up to you and says, Hey, I'm going to give you $10,000. No questions asked. Do you mind if I do that? And then walks away. It would be, uh, it's like that when it comes to, you know, drugs and females and stuff like that. It's just, the vault is open here, take the money. And it's, you don't really see it at the time, uh, especially if you're not mature enough to understand what all goes on with that and the craziness that ensues in the aftermath. And sometimes there's problems with it and sometimes there's not. I mean, I did tons of drugs, you know, been with, I don't know, probably over 250 women just, and everything was on the table. I mean, they just walk up and say, 
what do you want for breakfast? You know, it's, it's amazing. So and wait, you're uh, telling me you would do a show and these girls would just like throw them, like they would actually just, you had to do nothing. Nothing. I, the last, one of the last big shows I did, I was, uh, I was married to my second wife and her father played bass for me. He was awesome. And her brother played lead guitar. He was amazing. Little prodigy. And after the show, this is in downtown McKinney, Texas. We, uh, yeah, the bar had closed, everything had closed. And we, uh, I was just walking up to break down my gear and they, my band was at the bar and two girls had waited for everything to end and just walked up to me and said, you're going home with us tonight. And I said, thank you. That's very sweet. But that guy's my father-in-law <laughs> and <laughs> that guy is my brother-in-law. It's not happening, but it's a, uh, it, it's like that. It's that quick. It's that fast. Interesting. Now, do you think that would even, uh, I mean, I think it would work for Leo DiCaprio. I've seen this happen before. I went to a nightclub in New York City one night, and um, it was very nice place. Uh, Dow Nightclub, a lot of people know it. Um, and it's, it's right in Chelsea. I came in, it was a Tuesday night. This guy who I was at a bar with previously was like, Greg? I'm going to take you for the night of your life. And, you know, I'm just like an adventurous. (laughs) I'm like, I'm an adventurous guy. Now, it turns out this guy was completely just, I mean, he actually got thrown out of the Down Eye Club. I I ended up staying uh, because he was so so loaded, so (laughs) unaware of the surroundings. But he promised me big things. And I was like, you know what? I will. I know New York City. I'm going to go on this adventure. Now, here's what happened, Paul. I walked in. And everybody told me they were like, tonight's going to be huge. That all the, all that we were there early. This guy already got like a booth off to the side. And uh, the, the people, the, one of the bouncers there was like, get ready. Tonight's going to be a big night. It's going to be a party tonight. <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay. Okay. I had no idea what to expect in my head. I'm thinking like, okay, this is like the Leo DiCaprio lifestyle. I'm about to lead. Like I'm excited to see like who walks in. And of course, it's Leo um, and wow. and an entourage of just I don't even know what they were. I still don't know. He had like a wall of uh, everybody, a wall of women that looked like Margot Robbie, like just, just stood there with phones out surrounding him. And I think there was this other producer there. I didn't know the guy. But all of a sudden, I've never seen this in my life, Paul. The nightclub just became a celebrity gathering it just became like a a huge book signing for a huge guy like no one was dancing anymore everyone was just watching this guy all these women i had a girl come up to me and she was crying she came up to me as one of the (laughs) one of the males just kind of like observing what was happening and this girl came up to me crying and she goes i've been dreaming about meeting this guy since i was 10 Wow. I'm like, well, first of all, you're not meeting him. Second of all, yeah, like what that is, it's, it it showed me the power of fame trumping. That's huge. Yeah. Growing up in New Orleans, I'd see got famous people come in all the time, different you know, clubs and stuff. And I always felt weird because the first thing I think of is they're probably getting just their ass whipped by people kind of coming up to them all day. And so I, I, I would never approach them. But uh, I, I would see the little, you know, crowd uh, just follow them around, just yeah. willing to do any, anything to, to, just, to just talk to them. 
Did you, do you feel like you experience, I mean, and this is something I, I wonder, um, you know, I, I came to New York City to try to be an actor, which is like, or I could have stayed in a small town and just soaked up the fame uh, or a smaller region of people, like it sounds like you were doing, like your local communities, more a little less mainstream, but still getting that experience. I mean, in your world, yeah. do you believe, Paul, that you've experienced um, it, what what that actual like? Do you feel like you've lived the Rolling Stones life? Maybe Paul. a small version of it, but it's funny you mentioned that because you probably know how this feels. Do you ever? Did you ever feel like you were bigger than the town that you came from or was in? in other words, initially, when I was growing up, yes, before college. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think there's very few people that feel that way. And it's because, you know, as primates, we don't like to – most of the people don't like to be in front of or have a lot of attention focused on them. Because usually in the past, you know, 10,000 years ago, it's because they were about to be killed by a mob. But there are select – few people that actually feel feel comfortable in that environment same with when I'm on stage you know if I'm in front of 250 500 people I feel fine and it's very weird and I think that has something to do with you know maybe you wanting to be an actor maybe you you felt like you were bigger than that that tribe Mm. Yeah, yeah. I just felt I had a reach beyond there. Also, though, there wasn't as much opportunity. I, I mean, I, it was a very rural sports focused town. I had like a couple of times a year to get in front of my community of people. And even then, um, as much as I felt like I was a quote unquote celebrity in my class, like class clown, actor, magician guy, um, which I was, um, you know, I still always was like, but these, these aren't my people. Like there's a bigger stage out there. There's yeah. a bigger audience. I could do this for more. I could. And uh, you know, and then I got to New York and the reality of it was getting an audience in New York City consistently that's going to give you that thing that you want is hard. Ooh, it takes, I can imagine. <laughs> it takes a lot. And all, because you really got to like kind of lock in on one thing and you have to stay with it. Like it's an actor is a, I mean, actor is a useless term. Actors are, oh, you're an actor. Every single theater program, every single college has a theater program in America now. That wasn't the case even like 10 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, even I saw around 2007 when I went to college, improv started to explode. I mean, there are community theaters that are doing improv groups now. Improv used to be like a weird side fringe thing that mm -hmm. like people that weren't doing regular acting did. They're somewhere between comedian and stand-up comedy. You had improv and then it's like it's just like a trope. Improv is it became so oversaturated. Um I wonder, you know, is there but there's nothing like the rock experience being saying that I want to be a rock star. Um, you know, I, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that there's Instagram and, and YouTube fame, I mean, to be someone, to be a group of kids going out there and being like, I'm going to still chase that. Do you think there's an overabundance of that these days? Or is that still like a different uh, realm? I, 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 
I think it's uh, it's way it's overabundance. But um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that we, the guys that when I got together, I think I started playing drums when I was thirteen and getting in bands. We only did it for the music. We we had no intentions. In fact, we were scared to death and to be in front of people. It's just that we got so good at what at our at our craft that people were just begging us to play out. They're like, how can you do this in some basement, you know, in the middle of nowhere, you know, you have to show people what you've learned. And so, you know, it was, uh, it was, uh, I was just scared to death. I remember I, I got tired of dragging drums around and I had a pretty good voice. And so I learned how to play guitar. And, and the first time I played in front of people, I had a buddy invite me to a huge pool party. He, just, he said there was like four people there and it was like a, a hundred. And I only knew four songs and my hand was shaking so bad. I could barely play guitar. (laughs) And I, and so I played the four songs I knew and everybody loved it and said, you know, keep playing. So I started with number one again. And, but I I had no intention of, of, of any of the accolades of being famous or anything like that. I just had a love for music and the emotion of music. It made me feel things that, um, you know, that that moved me and so i wanted to be in that world with other people that you know, had the same feeling um but when i don't did, know if i could do when it did on the, music, the stage like oh no no I'm, I'm well i'm curious i mean when did uh that music turn into this <laughs> this i'm just doing things to get laid mindset uh it it, it was always more important than getting lay it was always the the thing that came first Um, that's good (laughs) yeah yeah and so you know the other stuff was i call it pussy shrapnel shrapnel it would just it was just (laughs) things that came along with what you loved you know and 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 that part was amazing right 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 did you ever i mean you know when, when you're doing this stuff and going on the road and and having drugs and these other temptations i mean were there times through it where you were like Hmm. I I should really uh, go into rehab. Like I do love the music, and this is <laughs> destroying. Like what I originally came to do this. Like, did you ever get to that point? Yeah, yeah. I actually quit drinking after my last gig, um, and it's because I was I was just an embarrassment. I mean, I I it, I used to just go over every second of a song with my band to precision and it just dwindled and to to the point where I was just a drunk fool basically on stage and everybody felt sorry for me and at least they may not have but that's the right. performance I, I felt like I gave and so I you know I, I'm 100% clean now I, I haven't touched anything for you know god I think I, my last drink of wine was probably the big the end of 2019, I just said, and it wasn't that bad. I wasn't the, the guy that, you know, uh, my life was luckily really intact. It's just that my performances were, were terrible. Did you, were, do you honestly feel like you were the, uh, were you, were you the guy? <laughs> like now I'm wondering like in all these shows where you see the one person that's like supposed to be holding the band together and just, just gets reckless. Um, I mean, yeah. it, was, was it, was, did it really come down to you and everybody else was like, Whoa, we need to talk about breaking up the band or did everybody, <laughs> did everybody have their faces? Everybody was great. Uh, it was me. Uh, and I, 
it was kind of the, I had I had the ability to not not only sing but listen to every instrument. And so one wrong note, I I would get upset, but I would just look over. And I used to be on top of everything. And when I let that slide, uh, they still wanted me to stay, but I just had to go on and do something else. Um, you know, and, and that was podcasting. I, I wanted to uh, talk to people and and find out about their journeys. You know, through this crazy life. Yeah. When is um so did, so that must then you know I mean you you mentioned at the beginning that it's still pretty early in podcasting. I mean, did you when was the last time the band played together? That was my last gig. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. It's been uh, about eight months ago, probably, and. It wasn't hard for me to. I'm still friends with all those guys. They're amazing. Um, they're they're interviewing vocalists right now, and uh, they're they're gonna do great. It's just that, you know, being in a band is is a lot of work, and you really have to do it for the love. You're not gonna be, you know, we'd get hotels every now and then where we would perform, and they'd put us up, but you're not gonna make a, a ton of money. It, it, you know, I guess it's like acting. I mean, if you just love acting and you love being in in front of people, you'll do it for nothing. I mean comedians mm. have same thing they'll travel forever just to get up and do 15 minute spot yeah well i guess i'm trying sort of trying to figure out you know i'm curious about the the rise of you experiencing like the fame and then where you like decided to trickle off and you know like be a little more settled probably do less drugs and really like continue just doing it for the music i mean my guess is that just because it seems to be the trajectory like late teens through your 20s you were probably a little wild and then things settled down but now i'm wondering if uh, were you <laughs> were you having <laughs> crazy nights into your late 40s like what was oh, going yeah. on with you paul yeah really yeah oh yeah is well, I, I look a lot younger than I am and I, I work out like twice a day. So I, uh, I just, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I, this is going to sound terrible, but people like to hang out with me cause I don't judge them. And I love crazy friends. So, um, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. My, I have friends that are millionaires and that are homeless, you know, and we all, it's just across the board. So it was really easy for me to, and to maintain uh, my, you know, I've been with the same company for 20 years coming up in January. So mm. I've, I've managed a lot of the things in my life really well while still kind of doing this Jekyll and Hyde type thing. Yeah. I was going to say, okay, so that that's interesting. So you have like the two personas too. So you're, you're rock star by night kind of deal. <laughs> Uh, and then you also have this, is it some sort of business? I'm guessing, uh, is it, how corporate are you? Very corporate. I'm an account manager for a fortune 500 tech company. So oh my gosh. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't even know it. Yeah. If you worked with me, you wouldn't even know it. Are there people that have no idea you have this other life? No idea. Yeah. I, I'm very good about keeping those things separate in my life. In fact, I, I did you know, it's, I didn't realize this till I got older, but when you do something crazy and somewhat bad, there's always one person that knows. And that was me. And so, you know, when that, that little closet of skeletons got so full, I couldn't close it anymore. That's when I started getting real, uh, with people around me. And, and I, 
you know, my fiance right now, we we met when we were in the eighth grade and, and she knows my bullshit so well that I have to be honest with myself all the time now. I, I, I sleep really well at night now, but it oh. took a long time before I did, yeah. Yeah, what wasn't, I mean, what do you think was like really the thing you were pressing up against? Like what was causing you? Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I mean, look, I'm always curious about people's demons. That's a fascinating topic to me. <laughs> um, like what was, what would you say was the big disconnect for you that was causing you so much desire to, I guess, suppose self-destruct? Um. I think it's, it was just um, a distraction. And when you, uh, you'll find people do this with business as well. I've had friends that, you know, their whole life is shit except for they're just amazing business people. So mm -hmm. if, if you really focus too much on one aspect of your life, you have uh, all these things blowing up around you and, and you just, you don't notice it. And I, I started meditating, I don't know, and working out hard about three years ago. And I had to reconcile those things in my life to be more of a balanced person. I, I started realizing that, wow, you know, I do things differently than other people. And, and, uh, and they come back to haunt you when you get older, at least, I, I believe. The, those things that maybe you didn't kill someone, but maybe you treated someone poorly or, you know, whatever. Mm. Ad, ad nauseum. Those things come back to you and you're, uh, and, you know, when things get really quiet in your mind. Do you think it's like as simple as there was some unresolved thing with either one of or both of your parents and it's just like it, that manifested into creating like a rock star slash Bruce Wayne existence? Like, is it that simple and in a most reductionist sort of way? Or, uh, you know, if we were to like, like, did you even have to go down this path if something in childhood had been worked out, you think? Well, I did. That was my initial path. Uh, when, when I was really young, uh, my mother took me to a therapist. I think I was 12 or 13. And God, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. But, uh, you know, I, that's the kind of the angle I took for a long time. And I'm kind of going down a different path now uh, through genetics. And uh, hmm. here, here, here's an example. If you're if you're genetically predisposed to have high BMI, uh, your body mass index, uh, you'll, even if you're adopted by a family that eats correctly, uh, you're 70% more likely to be a heavy person just from your genetics. Wow. And yeah, so uh, I, then there's many other things that kind of branches off on. So I'm starting to understand my parents better and understand myself better through that. And it does. It doesn't mean you're gonna be fat. It just means that you're gonna be seventy percent more likely to be overweight. And so it, it's not just BMI. It's uh, alcoholism. I think forty percent of it transfers on to your offspring. So, you know, I went through just a crazy amount of alcohol and blow and you name it. You know, I just had that personality where whatever I do, I'm gonna do a hundred percent, and that includes fail. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, because here's what I'm trying to understand, and I've been really wrestling this my whole life. Um, the, in some ways, like to me, 
<laughs> and I, I, I feel like the answer to this is more obvious than I can even imagine. But I've been told before by people, either in a mental health context or close friends, relationships, like, yeah, Greg, there's an unexplored part of you. There is a part of you, this ego-driven part of you that wants to be famous, that wants the glory, that wants all that stuff. And because you've grown up and been such a nice, giving person and, you know, very considerate and listened to others, da 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 da, da you probably denied some primal drives of yours and the full expression of that. So then I go to you and I'm like, Paul's doing it. You've got the business. You're you're in a you know you're handling accounts. You have to be professional. Da 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 da. But then you also have the realm of the proverbial shadow self, where you went all the way in that direction, and it's a full lived life. It seems on both sides. So, tell me, Paul, why is that wrong? <laughs> why doesn't that get the job done? Like, why isn't it ultimately, or or is there a way for you to like healthily explore the shadow self? and do the business and Jekyll and Hyde it. I'm not sure. What's your experience? Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's kind of my quest right now is I, I still want to, I still have friends that are musicians and we still will get together and, and, and kind of fulfill that little part of the, the Paul that loves music and still be able to be a responsible human in this society and, and maybe touch a few lives and, and, and try to do good. Uh, and, and also to be okay with the yin and yang of, of life. Uh, you know, we feel a, a lot of people go either way too hard and try to be too good or, or end up being too bad. But man, we're all so complicated that we all have all those things in us. We all get, uh, do bad things or we, and we all experience joy. So, uh, you know, life, um, used to be, uh, when I said self will run riot, I was just chasing that, that new thing and that high and that involved, you know, uh, you know blazing a path, but it, it can be, um, a happy medium to all that. And it, it's not about the destination anymore. Like even a okay day, I can mind joy out of it, just being normal and, and having, having both. It's very tempting though. Those things come along, man. I, I want to jump back in so hard. You have no mm. idea. Yeah, no. I mean, what I'm wondering is, is it less that uh, the higher evolution of people, um, is it less that you're building a life structurally so that you have this time to be this person and then at night you have this time where you're going all in and more can you bring a little more of the rock star to the corporate world and can you bring the corporate world more to the rock star like that is a fully integrated human where you're still caring, compassionate, and you still healthily pursue your primal desires as well as, you know, you, you, you probably give people a little more, Meg, and maybe people at work start knowing you do this rock star thing and it's more authentic <laughs> and you show up. Like to me, I'm wondering if that is eventually it's more of like us stepping into our fullest versions of ourselves in whatever context. Sounds nice. Harder to do than I say, but I, I'm wondering based on your story, because it still seems like uh, even though you had different expressions of these things fully in two directions, um, it was still causing you issues. Yeah, I, 
but I, you know, when you say the, the rock star into the corporate life, I think that's the kind of the X factor is they, um, what would my friend say to me? You can do what they can do, but they can't do what you can do. And I love that expression. Uh, mm. and that as far as bringing a little bit of the rock star to the corporate world, that's something they haven't really figured out. And, um, that to me, it's just, uh, relationships and, and, um, being able to connect with customers more on a emotional level and a human humanistic level than, Hey, I'm just selling, we're selling you this product. It's more about we're, I'm going to be here and not only in my personal relationships, but in my business relationships, you can count on me when the bell rings, I'm going to be there. And I think I wasn't there for, uh, many years. I have two daughters from a first marriage that, you know, our relationship's not that great, but it's, it's, it's getting better. And that's because I'm present. And I think that if you can do, you can have all the fun you want, but, but try to be present for not only customers, but your, your, you know, your family and, and friends. Yeah. How in the world did you even, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, why did Howard Stern get married? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, that's what I'm thinking about you. I'm like, what? You were living these late nights and you still managed to, I mean, you know, you don't have to go into details, but of course I'm like, dude, was there, there is no way if you are married and all of a sudden you're having all these choices thrown in front of you in this way as a rock star. Yeah. How can you, I, I, I imagine being faithful was difficult. You know what Chris Rock says? Uh, what did he say? You're only as faithful as your options. I love that. Quote. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> if you're getting, you know, these things thrown at you left and right, it is really tough. But I've, I've been lucky in the sense that I've gone down that road so far and for so long that I know it's just great little short experiences. And it's not, it's, you know, it's, you, you don't get the big package. You get the little, the little firecrackers here and there. And, and mm -hmm. really the, 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 the self-examined life is much better than, than just chasing, you know, that, that high all the time, because the bar keeps getting higher. I mean, you look at Epstein, he probably started out dating normal women and then, of course he wanted to go younger and younger and younger. And he just, you know, he was on that, that, that fix. And God, man, he, you look at these people that could had so much money, uh, they could have managed, you know, and he had houses all over the world. If, you know, the fact that he stayed in Miami, it's almost like you want to get caught at some point. You're just, mm. you're so blatant with what you're doing and out of control that, you know, it, it was amazing to watch that. And I see this happen with the, the Tiger Woods of the world and, you know, you name it. The, any, it, I thank God I never got any power because I would have been just a terrible leader. I'm going insane. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, okay. So look, for the record, ladies and gentlemen, Paul is not Jeffrey Epstein. Um, nope. <laughs> that has never been a question here. Um, nope. He is not, he is not, uh, completely, uh, you know, he, he's not Leo DiCaprio, but he's had Leo like experiences. Um, yeah. 
I'd like to talk to that guy, man. That'd be a great conversation. <laughs> I feel like he is. He is. You know, I see him in interviews when uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out and he was talking with Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie in interviews. I loved watching Brad Pitt because Brad Pitt totally doesn't take it seriously and Leo still does and Brad Pitt just ribs him about it during those interviews <laughs> <laughs> like Brad's like dude you know what you've been up to like don't just pretend this is about the art and all that stuff and I mean Brad Pitt just seems like a real guy like a nice regular guy and Leo's still got these lofty things I think it would be very hard to get him to open up about any of that stuff well, think of how hard it has to be in, in, in that world, too. When you, you could, I call it stripper syndrome. You know, when you, it's so sad when you get these gorgeous women that men throw money at them and just beg to be with them for five years of their life or whatever. And then they grow up to be these old, bitter ladies that, you know, can't understand why people aren't giving them free shit anymore. You know, it's, it's amazing to be in that world where, people will just say yes to you constantly. I, I can't even imagine it. I mean, I had a small piece of it, so I, I can imagine it. You have to really seek out to stay grounded. I guess Brad Pitt has figured it out. Tell me this. Did anybody you, say you, you know, you met a woman and something happened for the evening with her? Did she ever propose to you that night? Uh, propose? No, I had a bunch of my gay friends try to fuck me constantly, which was weird. <laughs> okay, that interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is the weirdest situation you brought into? Like, you know, obviously two women like saying you're coming home with us is something, but like, did any woman you ever, or male, anyone uh, trans, did anyone ever br say like, you're coming home with me, you get home and like, they've war pulled you into like a satanic ritual like like what's the craziest thing you walked into that you weren't expecting i've been in a lot of group sex situations which oddly become normal after you've done you know you've seen it's almost like sexual ptsd so when you do decide to come down from that insanity life it's hard to just be with a woman and be romantic and and still get your rocks off because it's like being in combat and then all of a sudden you're a security guard at the mall. It's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Huh? Do you think like if you were starting up now and trying to be a rock legend, you would have a completely different because of like what's happening with society and people being more careful, obviously like let's pretend COVID's not even a thing. Like you're just, people were still going to shows would you think you would would less women throw themselves at you well i, I don't know about that but i know good you got the confidence and, still that's <laughs> yeah the confidence would, uh, just alone would be amazing because i see you know my fiance's got a 16 year old daughter and she's dating a 18 year old boy and he's a sweetheart of a guy but you know i can just see all these young males with zero confidence and they're just I, it wasn't me. I mean, I, it was just amazing if you had, if I could come back right now being a 16 year old guy with the confidence. I mean, I lost my virginity. I was 13 to a 19 year old girl and, you know, it just changed me. And wait a minute. I, was it, was that from performing? 
like like performing no. uh, uh you, your instrument oh gosh this is all coming out you, you were you were you actually <laughs> like how did you how did you get a 19 year old that's a 13 year old boy um well yeah i, I was already my i had a six my brother that was six years older than me so i hung out with all his friends and we were all smoking weed and drinking and i was at it was my friend's sister we were at some party and we ended up making out uh i think we were playing quarters where you you know, if someone made you drink, you had to take a bong hit, slam the beer, and then blow the you know smoke out. And I did that a few hundred times. Ended up falling down <laughs> oh on God. a bar stool chair, and this big giant Amazon woman picked me up like a little baby and just brought me to the room. And you know, we ended up caught. I don't know how many times my refractory period was probably like three seconds back then. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Paul, do you miss these days? Do you look back fondly on all these memories? I do, uh, in the weird sense where a color or a situation will make, I don't remember a lot of names, so I'll just write it down. I have this little red book, and I've been keeping it because, I, you know, one day I might write about these experiences, and, you know, it's 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 nice to look back on it. I mean, I I never had any situations where, you know, I was too forward with a woman or, you know, she said, no, I, I wasn't that guy. I was you know, a little pussycat, but. You know, yeah. You wanted things, to be consensual. Things were cons exactly. as consensual as you could tell in your drugged up <laughs> wacky yes. fame. Yeah. No. Um, that, uh, it, it, then tell me this. Does your current partner know about your history? Yeah. Yeah, she does. And uh, she, she's the opposite of me. She's, she values, you know, or, well, you know, is that hard for her know. knowing where you've been or, you know, have, uh, it, has she come around to accepting like, this is who you were? No, she knows. I mean, we grew up, well, we met in the eighth grade together. I was getting paddled in the office, I believe for smoking and I was winking at her and we, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So she got to see full blown Paul for years. In fact, I would call her, she was my confidant, you know, I would call her and, tell her about all the crazy shit you know I'm, this year i'm into polyamory and next year uh, you know it's just non-stop craziness so oh my gosh she knows. now wait a minute so this is fascinating i'm curious about you know uh and i don't mean to keep you much longer but this is this is so interesting to me um your story i really <laughs> thought we were gonna go all philosophy today but uh, <laughs> once i get a rock and roll guy out i'm like okay there, there's stories here um <laughs> oh yeah lots uh yeah yeah and believe me i'd, I'd love to you know <laughs> spend hours again going into this at some point but you know what just so we could get more a taste here was this person your confidant i mean was there any romantic connection she felt towards you back then like did it take her like 30 to 40 years to uh well i guess like more close to 30 years to like come around <laughs> romantically to you did she all like what is what is the story here with this female confidant um she, apparently and I, I didn't find this out till recently she kind of had a crush on me and I just love the way she laughed. And, and so I, I, you know, I'm a little, I'm an amateur comedian. So I, I was fucking with her constantly. And, <laughs> and we actually had sex. On, I think it was on my 18th, it was maybe my 18th birthday. I can't remember, but she took me to a restaurant and banged me in the bathroom, which is not like her. She, I don't know right, how many guys right. she's been with maybe seven her entire life, but yeah. And then I think we had sex 
Oh, and then I was living with a guy named Paul, and he was a drummer. She was dating him. And yeah. So wait, did she cheat on him with you? uh, Yeah. In fact, on her birthday, he took her out to dinner and came back, and she was pretty drunk. And I, I had a buzz. I was, you know, sitting in my room. She came in, locked the door, banged me while he was knocking on the door, which <laughs> oh my oddly God. enough happened a lot in my life. But that moment was, but she doesn't even, she barely remembers that moment. I thought it was funny as hell. <laughs> wait a minute. How, so wait a minute. What, how many times are you cheating? I, I, wait. So when people are knocking on the door and you're banging their girlfriend, um, oh, is yeah. it, was it just Paul or was it, did this happen to more than one guy? Like did Paul get a lot of this, like different girls would just end up with you, even though he was like somewhat committed to them. Yeah, it actually happened to me as well. I had this uh, roommate named Monty, and the guy looked like a Greek god and never worked out. But he would sit on the couch. We had an apartment together. He would sit on the couch just looking gorgeous like some, you know, I I don't know how to describe it. You walk in, you're just like, holy shit, this person is beautiful. And I would bring girls home from a bar or something or from a gig. And they would see him on the couch, say hi, go back to the room, bang me. I would wake up the next morning and they'd be in his room. And it happened so many times that I just got (laughs) used to it. I was like, I get it, man. This guy is gorgeous. Like, he's dumb as a stump, but he was just beautiful to look at. (laughs) Do you think more stupid people get uh, (laughs) access to these kind of things? Uh. I, I don't know, but what I do know is if you're gorgeous and you don't have game, it's going to be hard getting older. But if you're gorgeous and you have game, you'll be okay once you, your looks fade a little bit. Oh, my gosh. So, look, if you were t- – <laughs> this is such an interesting conversation. And also, <laughs> totally, like, you know, I've had, like – psychic healers and I'm talking to like life coaches on here and all of a sudden going down this rabbit (laughs) hole but but um it's certainly a life I mean um if do you think I mean was it all it seems like everybody was kind of in good spirits back then. Like a lot of people, I, I, and I definitely think in this culture now, if, you know, my best friend was with my girl for a night, da, 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 there'd be like jealousy and resentment and throwing chair. I mean, I wouldn't throw chairs, but like that sort of, you know, it's especially with reality TV, like the bachelor and all this stuff, like being offended is, is encouraged. It's in the culture. It's, but you're yeah. kind of living in this other, plane where it's like a lot more frivolous and fun and and seems i mean like were were feelings getting hurt somewhere maybe not i don't know uh no not really i (laughs) i i i I mean not for me because uh i i guess i i don't know i i didn't i didn't fall in love with a lot of these women they were just you know we were just having fun it was an experience so maybe it was just a I don't know, kind of a European type thing, you know, as far as sex. I mean, I'm trying to think. I I did have a best – I've had two good friends of mine sleep with my girlfriends, and that <laughs> did sting a little bit, yeah. Yeah. But that was more like, hey, those are my toys type thing. You know, I, I, I understand now that, you know, women have their own minds. They're going to do what they want to do, you know. And uh, what was it? 
Chris Rock said something else about men have lies. Like uh, I wasn't at, uh, I wasn't at, you know, my friend Chris's house and women have lies. Like it's not your baby type thing. So right. I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, oh it, my gosh this is so interesting I'm, I'm i'm very curious about you know this confidant of yours and how she's like reconciling this i mean it seems like she just knows what she signed up with um yeah, yeah. was she waiting for the day that you would settle down i mean i guess you had this thing at 18 where she was involved with you and your friend you were living with but like was there a i mean if she's the opposite of you like she must have at some level been like this guy needs to go through this phase. And then uh, when he turns 51, we will be like, I don't know, like how yeah, I, I'm trying I, to figure it out here. I, I don't want to speak for her, but she did say something along those lines of, uh, you know, even she, all our friends, everyone we grew up with all said we, we were going to end up together. So, and it, you know, she, it, when it, it finally happened, and we're we're building a house right now. We're we're closing out it on the twenty seventh. You know, everybody's just like, I can't believe it actually happened. So, uh, yeah, I think it just had to. I had a very long extended time of my life, and she had two kids with another marriage, and you know, it, it's just weird how you know. I guess when you finally chill out a little bit and look around, there's good stuff right in front of you. You just don't see it. At least in my case, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, you know, to end, I'm curious if there was any sort of advice you would give regarding this realm of things, like to to all the future rockers out there, and I and I count all genders, all sorts of anybody going into this uh, across the spectrum of humanity. If they're getting into this and they want that kind of fame and they want to have a romantic resonance, uh, what would you say? before they go that route would be a good way to like stay on their feet. Uh, surround people, surround yourself with people that are grounded and, uh, and don't take yourself so seriously. You're not that great. (laughs) 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 Very cool. Well, look, Paul, you know what? I, I very much enjoy talking to you. Uh, I really want to learn even more about these stories. I'm definitely going to have to listen to your podcast. Uh, only six more times. Only six more times. The name of the podcast. Uh, you, uh, you, yeah, you can, I'm assuming it's, uh, we'll link to it, but I'm assuming it's on all the major platforms. It will be. Yes. I haven't haven't launched it officially yet. yet. Yes. Correct. Cool, cool, cool. Well, look, we will keep an eye out for it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and being open with me. I, I appreciate the <laughs> stories, hearing about other people's lifestyles, where they were. Um, and yeah, we, we'd love to, definitely love to chat with you again sometime. I would too. It's great talking to you and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Paul. Well, there you have it, huh? Kind of interesting, right? I mean, I didn't need him to necessarily go into all the details about, you know, uh, what it was like cheating on this current woman he was with or the story. Like, I didn't I didn't ask for that. He shared it with me. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Wow. What a tour de force that interview was. I mean, we're ta- starting talking about, we were talking about, like, belief systems and it ended up that. Oh, boy. Hmm. Well, 
look, I am, um, upon listening to it again, I just thought it was a, you know what? To me, it really was about self-destruction and addiction and, um, you know, the temptations. What are the temptations of life? I, I definitely, you know, operating a, a podcast that is like a theme park. I mean, we know what happens when you spend too long in a theme park. You have to go back into the real world. Um, but for now, for this interview, for, for all of you here, I, I hope at least I got to take you away a little bit from it, but also showcase like the actual reality. Um, so that said, hope you enjoy this theme park you can listen to. Open Loops, if you like it, on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review, uh, rate, subscribe, always helps. I, I love doing this show for you. I love bringing people of different backgrounds, and Paul is just a fascinating guy to talk to, so I definitely, I hope he does his podcast only six more times. Um, I, I know right now it's not operational, but it will be, um, and yeah, I, I definitely hope to have him again. Take care, everyone. Happy Labor Day.